Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Country star Phil Vassar plays the Birchmere this Sunday night in Alexandria, Virginia. I spoke with him in 2016 about writing hits for Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney, and Alan Jackson before landing hits of his own like Just Another Day in Paradise. Mr. Vassar, it's an absolute honor. Thanks for taking the time. Well, how are you doing, Jason? Thanks for having me. I'd love to, uh, you know, get into your career and stuff, but first let's talk about the show. You know, what uh, if our listeners hear this and they head out to the Birchmere, what can they expect to hear? Working on any new stuff, a little of the old hits, a little of both? What do you think? All of it, I think. You know, we're doing, of course, we, we've got a new record finally this year, so that's a nice, I know a lot of our folks have been waiting for that for the last four or five years. So we'll be doing some stuff for the new record, and of course, you know, we've done eight albums, so there's a lot of stuff to cover, and you know, I usually just take requests. I don't have a set list. I just kind of go out there. And, of course, anybody that's ever been to the Birchmere is probably one of the coolest places to play in the whole country. I mean, it's not a bad seat. And it's just if you a uh, if you like seeing singer-songwriters, that's probably the best place to go in the whole country. It's one of them anyway, for sure. Wow. Have you played there a bunch before? You know, I've probably been to Birchmere about seven, eight times. Wow. I would say total. And, and it's always a, just a big, you know, big crowd. And, um, you know, of course, I'm from Virginia anyway, so it's a lot of my friends come and show show up for that deal and it's just a great time i love it it's just one of my favorites it just uh it's very intimate and you know you can kind of do anything you want there i love it folks there are great that's awesome and yeah i mean you mentioned you're from virginia a lot of our listeners might not even know they've been listening to your stuff on the radio and didn't know you're from lynchburg i am from lynchburg jmu guy but anyway yeah so i've a lot of my uh a lot of my buddies are in the uh, Alexandria, D.C. area. I mean, it's just a, it's always so fun to come home. Of course, my mom and my sisters always show up, and wow. so it's just uh, it's like homecoming. Are they going to be there in the front row of the Birchmere? Yeah, I think they probably will be. You know, it's uh, <laughs> that's funny. You know, of course, my mom is, as most moms are, very proud. So she's right. she's something else. She's that sweet lady that just sits there and grins the whole time. I love it. <laughs> what well, tell uh you know i'm sure a lot of our listeners will be curious how did you make the jump from uh little old virginia to uh did you go to nashville or how did the journey into your country music begin i know you started as a songwriter right well you know i did i mean i was always an artist i, I kind of i used to tour up and down the east coast i mean we used to play in dc at the bayou and you know all the way up into college park and you know dc and you know all the way up to boston and Maine and all the way down to Florida, you know, for spring break and all that stuff. So we had like a little band in college and, and just out of college. And then, you know, then I moved to Nashville. I said, you know, it's either going to do this whole deal and uh, I'm going to do it or, you know, or just go, you know, what do they say? Go big or go home. Yeah. So, all right. uh, I, I went to New York and I loved it and I loved LA, but Nashville just felt like home to me. It was like Virginia. It was like home. And, and uh, I, I love it. I really, really do. And, and uh, you know, I'm just sitting out here on my back porch right now, and it's a beautiful day, and <laughs> talking to you. Where, where, where is this? Where is said back porch? 
said back porches in Nashville. I, you know, I live right. Uh, right in the middle of the city, and it's beautiful. And I got a bunch of woods around me, so it's a it's a it's a gorgeous uh, it's a gorgeous setting. I'm very 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 blessed. Awesome, yeah, that's that's so cool. Um, now, uh, tell me about tell me about your. Uh, I do want to go into some of your you know your classic hits too that we all remember. But tell me about the new album you mentioned. What uh what what's what's the vibe with that? How does that maybe sound either similar or, or different than your your previous stuff? You know, it's just kind of all over the place. There's some cool story songs all the way to some really rocking songs all the way to some, you know, really kind of a earthy acoustic ballads. And so, I mean, you know, I, I just grew up listening to everything. You know, I'm not one of those. I I hate a record that sounds alike. Everything sounds the same on the record. That just bores me to tears. Right. So it's like a show where somebody just stands there and it's just like, oh, my gosh, I can just listen to the record and enjoy myself more. But <laughs> so it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of you know, like that, but the record is, is really, really good. You know, we're, um, you know, we're in the middle of just starting our tour right now. And, you know, we're heading back over to London and in March to play the big C2C festival there and back again in June. And so, I mean, we're just kind of all over the world right now. And, and, uh, it's a good time. It's a really great time to, to make new music. And, and, uh, it's just like a re rebirth or something. I, I don't even know how to, how to <laughs> explain how fun it is to play right now. That's almost like spiritual mode right there, a rebirth. I mean, well, why do you why do you think it's it's just because you've taken a couple of years off between making it new music? Why do you feel so touched right now? You know, I think that's exactly what it is. I think you know, for me, it was you know, you know, I have a of course I have a studio in my house, and and that's where I record all my records. But I, I just kind of you know, we've been touring so much incessantly over the last several years. But I always write, and I'll always come home and I'll record. So that you know, we sort of. We record, we you know we we tour, we write, record, tour, and all that stuff. So you're ending up with all these songs. Like over the last you know several years, it's like I just I just mixed 52 new songs. <laughs> wow. So you're just going, holy smoke! I've got all this material, and then you just kind of weed through it and see what you like and what you don't like. And and uh, it's just been, it's like the pressure's off. You know, it's like I don't think there's any pressure at all. It's just like I feel like, right. you know, I'm just out touring and I'm enjoying myself. Where. You know, everybody used to put all this pressure on me to do this or do that, and and um, you know, I found it was probably because <laughs> I was making them a lot of money. Or <laughs> you know, maybe. Yeah, right. You know, write like, me another whatever. hit song, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we need some more. We need to tour some more, you know, so you can buy another plane or what? What's the deal? I don't understand. Right. So, so it's good stuff. But I, I've really, really enjoyed being, you know, on my own and um, you know, starting my company, and, and uh, it's really been a great five years. Yeah, sounds like you're you're relaxed, sitting doing some back porch sitting, and just living the dream now, man. That's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a busy year though. We're touring a bunch. <laughs> I tell you, well, we have four shows. Four, you know, we started the Birchmere and then have three more shows that same weekend. So it's a pretty busy time. But I tell you, it's oh. I, I just love it's coming home and coming to the Northeast. It's just like it's it's just a I don't know. It's just a it's amazing to me. And it's like uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something about coming back to where you grew up. You know, you know, I was a big Teddy fan and Bruce Springsteen and Elton John and Billy Joel and you know Jackson Brown. I mean, I love singer songwriters. You know, mm -hmm. Bob Seger and Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard was my first concert and in Richmond. You know, and so I just think, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been very very lucky to you know grow up with the Eagles and and uh, Henley and Fry and uh, some of these guys like Bowie and Lemmy and all these guys are past and man, it's just killing me. You know, it's killing yeah. me to see that a lot of these heroes of mine. Yeah, you mm -hmm. you mentioned the you know the the idea of the singer songwriter. Why do you you know why 
what makes that so you know special to you in, in terms of you know as opposed to someone that's that's recording other people's music? Why was it always important to you, and why did you think you gravitated towards the singer songwriters? I don't know what it was. It's just like I always looked at the um, at the songwriter credits, you know, Lennon and McCartney, and you know, I was a big Beatles fan, and I've always grew up listening to that, you know, Jimmy Webb and people like that who were incredible songwriters mm-hmm. that wrote all these songs for you know Glenn Campbell or whoever they were at the time, and. And I just, I was just like, man, I mean, you know what, I was always intrigued by the art of writing a song. And, and I think for me, it was just, I was always very intimidated by that. And, <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this or not, you know? And then, and I just figured out one day, I was really trying to write songs like everybody else. And then, you know, songwriting is such a style, stylistic thing, you know, and it's such a personal thing. And you'd have to have really your own, your own voice, your own style. And, and, I, and, you know, once I started writing like that, and I think I got that advice from Bruce Hornsby, you know, and he was mm, he was like, you know, you know, I was writing all this stuff like everybody else was writing. And then, you know, lo and behold, I just started writing songs about, you know, the, you know, the beat, the bay and, you know, growing up in Virginia and, mm. stuff, you know, what it, it, all this stuff. And I was like, man, it inspired me. It really changed my whole outlook on that, on that. And then, uh, and then it, and lo and behold, that's when my success started happening, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's go. Let's, if you don't mind, let's go into a little bit into that that moment in your life when when the success started happening. Um, talk about because I know you started like I want to say like in the I guess mid to late mid nineties or so you started co writing some some really huge records for for people right. that really blew up before you even you know made it so huge on your own. But right. Um, Talk about what was it like working with Tim McGraw? Because you wrote my next thirty years. You wrote for a little while. You know some of his right. some of his you know most beautiful stuff. I mean, my next thirty years yeah. can be listened. We'll be listening to it thirty years from now. But uh, you know, right. what was it like work, writing for him? Well, you know, Tim is a uh, you know he's a stylist, and Tim doesn't write all that much, you know. But he, I tell you what, Tim is one of the you know uh, Tim and Kenny Chesney too. I think if I think of some of the guys like that that are <clears throat> that are really amazing connoisseurs of song and songwriters too they love great songs and songwriters they they're you know agonize over that stuff you know so i've i've been really um you know i mean it's it's just you know i'm just lucky to to get cuts by tim you know because a million people are trying to get them you know Mm -hmm. and um so you know guys like that if you you get a cut then you're very very lucky you know so (laughs) You know, Tim's great, and Alan Jackson, people like that. Alan's one of my favorite songwriters of all time. Right. You wrote right you on the money, like, right? Yeah, yeah, and to have guys like that take your song to number one or or think it's good enough to be cut in the first place, man, is is a real, real blessing, you know. So you're just, you know, you really are lucky to have that kind of stuff happen. But it's it's just all a, you know, it's just a lot of luck involved, a lot of timing. And, you know, I was here for a long time before anybody thought my stuff was any good. <laughs> You know, they re- I really was. Where where was your where were you? You know, headspace when uh, you you wrote Little Red Rodeo for Colin Ray. How did that How did that song come about? <laughs> You know, it's funny because I was sitting, it was like a day, day, day look just like today, and I was just sitting in front of my piano. I was looking at the window of this little office, this little house I used to write songs in, <clears throat> Dental Music Row. And and there was this girl, she just stormed out of the one of the uh, little houses next to us. And she was, you could obviously <laughs> tell she was pretty pissed off about something, right? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, wow. And she jumped in, she, and she jumped in this red, uh, a Suzu Rodeo, right? Mm-hmm. And she peeled out. 
And then right behind her was this guy walking out and just into the front yard, just stood there and watched her drop off. And I was just like, wow, she is <laughs> mad at that guy. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, I've been that guy a bunch of times, right? Yeah. So, so I don't know what it is about men and women. This is like sometimes it just doesn't seem like we can get along too good. On the flip side of that, though, how do you, you you've written it from the the woman perspective with something like "Bye Bye" for Jody Messina. How do you change hats and you know how do you write something the complete opposite? Well, the thing is, is I didn't. You know, I, I wrote it as a guy's song. I never, I, I wrote it as one of my songs, and I could never hear a girl doing it. I couldn't. I said, I can't imagine a girl doing this song. And then Jody's like, I want to cut bye bye. I went, what? <laughs> Seriously, I can't imagine. I mean, I really tried to talk her out of it. <laughs> and um, I said, well, you know, <clears throat> you know, I just don't know if I can really see a girl doing it. But okay, and then it was a huge hit. You know, and, yeah. and I'm all right the same way. It's like I had all these songs that I'd written. And um, nobody liked them. Mm-hmm. Nobody liked them. I mean, the publishers, the the uh, the record labels hated them. <clears throat> like Little Red Rodeo was a big. They had a meeting about that song, about not letting that song come out. Really? You know, because they hated the song. Of course, it was a huge number one. So it sold million million records. You know, and what didn't they like uh, about it? What? Why were they worried about? Well, it was just you know whatever. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they didn't like about it. I don't yeah. know. You know, but it, but of course, you just can't ever tell. Colin was a big fan and of a song and you know and and man of course he was right you know a lot of times artists really know their audiences better than some guy sitting in a record company (laughs) office you know they they just don't know anything really you know um and a lot of them think they do so it's kind of funny because you know you you get out into the real world and you start playing a song live and you see the reaction of the folks and that's kind of what i sort of always go on Man, I'm I don't I don't know why I'm just geeking out on hearing where you know all these stories about where you were when you wrote certain songs. Were you how old, yeah. how old were you when you wrote my next thirty years? Were you around thirty, or was that more like trying to write it for a younger audience? No, I wrote it on my birthday. Oh I wrote wow, it on my birthday. I woke up that morning. I was like, holy crap! You know, am I thirty today? <laughs> <laughs> said, wow! And I literally went to a piano, and I wrote that song down as fast as I could write. And, and I wrote it probably in literally 10 minutes. I wrote that song. And then, and then, um, I didn't think much of it. You know, I didn't think much of it. I just wrote it. And then I had a little, um, I used to play this little piano bar in Nashville and I, and I went over there that night and I played it and everybody went crazy about it, you know? <laughs> and it was just kind of one of those deals, you know? So you have, you just can't ever tell, you know, what's going to work, what isn't going to work. And, and, and once again, the labels hated the song. They hated that song. Yeah. They they didn't even want Tim to cut it. <laughs> I mean, they, Isn't that and funny? you know, Tim hated it too. Tim was like, you know, I I hate my performance of my next thirty years. I hate it. I, it'll <laughs> never be a single. You need to put that song out because you you know you'll sing it great. <laughs> you know. So, but then yeah. of course, Curb put it out and it was number one for I don't know ten weeks or something. There you <laughs> I go. don't know what it was. Well, it's okay. So there you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's okay. You you uh you know ended up put having plenty of songs of your own to put out. Uh, you know you'll l- l- let Tim have that one. But um yeah, yeah. Let's go into some of yours now. I mean, Carlene was was huge. That sort of put you on the map. And then obviously, I mean, probably your your biggest one, probably one of the, your your all timers that would make maybe some lists. Mm-hmm. Just another day in paradise. How how did that one come yeah. come to you? Were you sitting on your Nashville porch? <laughs> nope. I, I was. I tell you what. I tell you how that one came about. I literally. The, it was a crazy day that you know, it was just a nutty morning, and then somebody was at my door, ran through my kitchen, and it was two inches of water in my kitchen. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Mm. Freaking out! My washing machine had flooded my kitchen. The hose had come unplugged, 
and and literally flooded my kitchen. And I'm like standing there with wet feet, you know, getting my FedEx package or whatever it was. And then and I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, so I ran down to the office to write that morning. I was all frazzled. And I was like, man, you know, I sat there and Craig, my co-writer, he, he'd had one of those days just like me. And, and you know, it was just a, he said, man, I don't know what it is. I guess it's just another day in paradise. We said, let's write that. That was it. <laughs> it it's funny. It comes from this, this strangest of places. You know, I think, I'm pretty sure Travis Tritt had a similar theme song the same year. What well, didn't he do? Great Day to Be Alive. I always think of those as sort of the year 2000 pairing of just, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, just take a step back and appreciate, you know, sun's still shining. Yeah, Daryl Scott wrote that song. And let me tell you, Daryl's a great songwriter. And I tell you, it was uh it was a big hit for Travis, man, but it's it's just like, you know, it's perspective. Life is about that, you know? And, yeah. You know, you just have to remember sometimes, man, people have it a lot worse than you do. I mean. Absolutely. And uh, I just think that every day, so I'm very lucky. Yeah, I just I think Just Another Day in Paradise will be around forever. Um, the, the hits go on and on, Six Pack Summer, American Child, that's when I love you. I mean, in real love, I mean, you've it's, it's incredible how many you've rattled them off. And uh, if you want to hear these songs, uh, listeners, head on out to the Birchmere. Phil Vassar will be there. Um, we'll have a duet. I'll sing it with you? Yeah, we can do a duo. <laughs> All right, man. Cool. Well, uh, best of luck, and we'll see you out there. All right, my brother. Talk to you soon. Later. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.